electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Day two of the bounce as NASDAQ futures are now up about 4% in two days. Bitcoin's back above 51K, oil near 71. Markets leaning on some optimistic Omicron headlines, looking past expectations for a faster taper next week. Our roadmap begins with stocks extending the rally, the Dow coming off its best day in nine months. Plus, uh, Intel shares, you're going to see they're surging this after the company announced plans to take its self-driving car unit, Mobileye, public next year. We're going to talk with that man right there, CEO Pat Gelsinger, exclusively this hour. And Americans' C-suite shuffle. CEO Doug Parker set to retire early next year after 20 years at the helm. Jim, so the bounce continues here. Um, At what point does this start to drag investors back in? Well, I think that just at the top again of this move. <laughs> I think this caught a lot of people by surprise because if you go back and rewind the tape to eight sessions ago, you, you thought that Omicron was, was basically going to uh, spread the same way that Delta did. And Delta really did set back our economy. So far, that's not been the case. Uh, instead, what's happened is, is that the overreaction was so severe, both in oil and common stocks, uh, that you have this, this moment where people realize, wow, we got really oversold. What can I get in? Uh, did I miss the dip? David, I want to uh, really kind of call out Apple as a classic here. Right. Apple got hit by Omicron and also got hit by that incredible story about how the suppliers were calling Tim Cook and saying, listen, um, what's going on? And then the suppliers calling Bloomberg. Yeah, <laughs> that well, did you not were, happen. You were uh, outspoken last week in combating that story yeah. and, or at least questioning uh, the validity right. and or veracity. Well, as Carl knows, I don't like supplier stories. Suppliers... Right. If, you know, remember, it's like Fight Club. The first rule of supplying to Apple is you can't talk about supplying to Apple. Right. You've they, made that point. And also just look at this stuff. very hard to, to gauge. And in, in part, you pointed out uh, they could be ordering more than is typical because right. of the right. current situation. So it's very hard to know really what it means. And, of course, now we see Apple has, uh, well, it's moved up strongly since then. Right. Uh, this morning, you got Katie Huberty coming out well, with a new something. price target. Uh, at Morgan Stanley, right? Talking about the service revenue stream, the way I like to view it as, member David often talks about how, Carl, the, the two multiples uh, that I'm, I focus on, there's the Procter & Gamble price, price range multiple, and there's the Apple. And once again, Apple went below Procter & Gamble's uh, price uh, earnings multiple. And then you get this, and one of the things that, that Katie's talking about is a service revenue stream, which is 70 bill, and then billion. And then when you hear ARVR, that's going to be conflated with metaverse. And I am proud of Tony Saganegui, well, his team, his team, doing a piece from Bernstein saying that maybe we're at the peak of metaverse love. Um, but what are they talking about there? What is Katie Huberty talking about ARVR? What is the opportunity then that she's outlining in this? Well, I mean, I think up, it's uh, not upgrade, but raising, uh, you know, to target. me, when you look at I don't want to look, I, I think Katie's fabulous, but it was difficult to kind of 
do anything other than say that she's, it's worth $29 billion in 2026. Right. I mean, it's kind of like everyone's talking 2026 now. Um, I wish I could do that. And I mean, she about also talked about autonomous vehicles, actually. Well, he's saying, saying that it's not getting any uh, love because it, even though it might have a car. Valuation would need to reflect the optionality of these future opportunities um, is part of her uh, her thesis again this morning of raising that price target to, to Well, Apple TV, I mean, I think that uh, Apple TV is now a staple. I mean, yeah. Carl, I, I, Apple TV was something that I thought was an afterthought, and now... I find, okay, what's on Apple TV? It's, it's up there in the conversation with Netflix. They're spending a lot more money. They, you know, the shows are shows yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, 200 bucks is a street high, right? Yes. And by, a street high. by the way, I mean, this, this is being done after three days of where Apple was, we started talking about Apple as literally the blue chip. And she even uses the safety choice. I, I find that it's, it's been uh, an people got short this thing very big. And it's been an interesting end-of-year move for the stock because throughout the year it was underperforming the right. S&P. Right, and you talked and about that Sometimes a lot. dramatically. I mean, mm-hmm. half of its performance. Oftentimes right. we had the S&P up, let's call it 20%, and Apple up only 10 But over this last, let's call it month, and you can see it there, Apple now outperforms um, the S&P. Jim, uh, that is right. interesting, given obviously they are linked Given how important Apple's weighting is as the as a two point seven trillion dollar company, and of course it is a market cap weighted index. But she does a lot of stuff like the AR the AR VR standalone is worth X. The uh, Apple car is worth Y. And I, look, it it's, doesn't really matter. What matters is is that the company she thinks she's found a way to get to two hundred. Uh, it's interesting because we're going to speak to Pat Gelsinger later in the show, and he's actually saying, "Okay, look, I've got this asset." It's worth much more. And, Carl, I know when you think about Intel, they actually need the money. So this was actually a good idea. Yeah. Um, in You know, when I look at Apple, whenever I see, like, if you break it up to this or if you PT, P- well, it's not. I mean, I just think you have to just say that if they are able to do something with uh, with VR, anything with virtual reality, then suddenly you have an NVIDIA situation, which was able to tack on. 600, <laughs> you know, 600 billion in valuation. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. 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 NVIDIA and AMD were down yesterday, and I kept thinking, okay, who are, I try to get in the minds of the sellers. And this is apropos of my conference call on Thursday. And like, are the sellers acting out of, out of fear? Are they trying to make the, are they painting the tape, making stocks look sag, uh, soggy? Or, or are they just saying, you know what, it's time to get out of high growth into, and then they don't really tell you, I mean, I don't know. Well, what um, we have we talk about the bounce here. I mean, how much damage do you think that has been done in high growth SaaS, uh, e-commerce, cyber? I think a lot. I know there are a lot of people who want to think that it can just bounce back immediately. But we did get this sense that there were some winners and some losers. And the winners that came back are the ones that are the Adobe's of the world. You know, the ones that are considered to be blue chip Microsoft. Right. Microsoft right. was up seven at 4 a.m. I mean, it was, but you did have that DocuSign quarter and the response in the market, which did seem to concern people beyond just that. Company. Right. Now, that, was execution, that was watershed. That was watershed. But there was, a con- there was a concern there. Well, Weiss and Morgan Stanley is pretty good. Reflective of something broader than right. specific. Well, it's DocuSign. just the idea that aren't we tired of paying up for what can go away yeah. versus Adobe and Intuit, by the way. No one ever talks about Intuit. Stock's down 50 straight points. A Microsoft Salesforce. Salesforce has been under pressure ever since that last quarter. Yes. People thought that Benioff was just kind of, it was very interesting because ben, it was this 82 versus 72. Okay, so Benioff says, listen, were you looking for 82 like a month ago? Maybe you know, 72 and, and a lot of that is currency. And I think that took people a surprise. I think that you had to look at the current quarter. 
and realized it was just a complete blowout. And that 72 for, 82 for 72 made it so no one thought about the quarter. Meanwhile, I don't know, Slack. Slack versus Microsoft. I think that we are going, getting into a titanic struggle. Martha versus Godzilla. I always thought to Martha. Remember, I'm not Martha. Martha. Not as familiar with my um, my your, your Japanese. Japanese uh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Predator versus uh, Arnold. Okay, a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. for me. Uh, yeah. Well, but uh, wait, 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 versus <laughs> Alien. Alien. Yes. Alien. But go. my point is, is that there is a develop, developing world where you're either with Microsoft, of which a lot of people feel Adobe is, and a lot of people feel ServiceNow is, or you're with Benioff. You're with Sadia, or you're with Benioff. Benny, and in the form of Slack. You're talking about Slack versus Slack Teams. In Europe. Kind of here, There's a right? real lawsuit in Europe. We forget about it. Yeah. Butterfield, I mean, Butterfield 8. Did you ever see Butterfield 8? Oof. Early Elizabeth. Oh, yes. my God. Yes. How about National Velvet? Oh, they're all good. All good. <laughs> National Velvet, <laughs> really? <laughs> National Velvet was one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> Intel shares are rallying this morning, as Jim said, after announcing plans to take Mobileye public in the U.S. next year. We're going to talk about it with Intel's Pat Gelsinger later on this hour, who knows a thing or two about consolidating various shares of companies. Right. No, I've tried to find situations where you actually spun off some and then spun off the rest or IPO some. And the best one I can find, David, is Match. ISA did it. Give you some and then give you all. Yes. Well, Barry Diller does have a history. And if you go back, I mean, it's hard to measure of of incubating companies and then spinning them out entirely and creating a great deal of value. Uh, you got to go back 20 years now with AIC to look at all the different companies. It's been great. Um, Intel doesn't have that history. No. <laughs> Last well, thing I remember, they, they bought McAfee. That didn't go too well. For no. Them. That's a while ago. But this Altera. purchase and Altera. And that didn't go so well. No, but this purchase yeah, but of Mobileye, which was done under... Brian Kruzanich. Right, who's uh, now at CDK. For 15 bill, and now they're saying it's worth at least 50, is interesting. Uh, the question I have, and we'll get to it with Gelsinger, is, is just, is the why? Well, I think that I want to ask, did they need, they've been talking about cap, uh, capital expenditures of 20 to 28 billion. Right. Maybe this is a great way to, to it, get It's that. better than an at-market sale of stock, right? Uh, exactly, and that's they, what people they claim that their stock is undervalued and they probably don't want to be selling at lows. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to say that they need to raise capital as much as it's an opportunity to sort of sh- showcase the sum of the parts and say, hey, right. we're not getting any credit for the fact that Mobileye is at least a three-bagger from what we bought it at four years ago. Well, I think that that's a question. I mean, if we had the top, uh, as Dave was saying, are we at the top with, do- with, with DocuSign? I mean, are we going to really pay $50 billion, or is that just the, was Lucid the top? Uh, is Rivian the top? I mean, are we well, just— But you can what? imagine, sorry, that if Mobileye right. were a publicly independent company still, right. given all the—I mean, you could imagine it would have a very high va- multiple. It's like 14,000 workers in one of the no, largest Israeli tech firms. No, it's big, and they it's 100 million chips. Look, no, it's a real company. I'm just saying that are we at that moment where we have to start valuing this company at $30 billion and not $50 billion? Are we, like, like through this, the elation The market's going to have an opportunity to make that decision, right? Well, but we have to predict that. We can't we just, like... Right. We, we tell do. them before it happens. Yeah. So that's what we do. Not right. Actually, I mean, that's not what we do. The, uh, <laughs> he does. The, uh, the, 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 look, I, I told you. I told you that, that, that 
that the Patriots weren't going to pass, and they were. No. Um, wow, that was it's, it's windy. That was the most boring game. Thank God it wasn't an NBC <laughs> every game. Other second I caught up on Holy I was able to do a massive amount of work really? during that game. I just caught up on succession, which yes. was much better than that football no, this, game. That sure. Section three is awful. Well, Jim, you're, Shiv you're, is just the, the, the deal, though, uh, the marginalized. I, taking it public allows us to ask longer-term questions about mobility. Today, right. Jonas takes a crack at how many cities are going to have cars without right. steering wheels or pedals floating around right. next year. But, he thinks multiple cities with at least 50 to 100 cars. I, I think he's going to be wrong. And the re- one of the reasons I think it's going to be wrong is because the name of his piece was very strange. I don't know if you saw that death of an auto analyst. But what is he? He's Arthur Miller suddenly, right? He's Arthur Miller. Next, it's going to be the crucible. Death of an auto analyst. Wait, wait, hey, Attention must be paid. Is he? Such a um, person. Yes. I mean, I just think that, is he Lee J. Cobb? Uh, I don't know. We have I don't to know. Ask. Is he I liked, Biff? I, I maybe he's Biff. I like Dennehy. The pen, in the maybe he's the pen. Dustin Hoffman. How about the pen? Yeah, I thought Dennehy was amazing when I saw him in that. I, role. I like the BJ Cobb. But anyway, he calls it death of an auto analyst. And so what it, I think that Jonas is, I'm going I'm to use his title for the Rivian. The Rivian? I think he's the one. Meaning? Well, it's just that he thinks a lot about him. He thinks he's. You know, my wife would say that I'm self-absorbed at times, which is just means you're No, we would I never say that. Idiot, we would but, never, ever say that. But, you know, but what is the point you're trying to make here? I, that I, the piece was about every year that he's been wrong, for heaven's sake. So I feel like he set me up. He said, basically, look, here's my prediction, but I've been wrong a lot. I see. I mean, the piece is an existential crisis piece. No, I'm not kidding. I mean, the piece, the piece is a walking, yep. it, it is a lithium-derived piece. <laughs> I know. Well, it's lithium cheaply. Not yeah, Haldol. No, I mean, I it's know. not like Thorazine. I'm not talking right. about, but he goes back all the way. Maybe he's talking about Thorazine. No, it's, it's, I love Jonas. But it's it, an it entertaining. Is, but it is, the problem with the piece is, is that all the predictions have basically been. There's been a lot of surprises. But Mobileye may be the beginning, although I've got serious questions about Mobileye from my trip out to see NVIDIA. Mm. Remember, they're mortal enemies. Uh, Implications for NVIDIA, Qualcomm, we'll talk about it with Pat Gelsinger later on this morning. Quick look at futures here as we do see uh, Risk On continue to uh, get a second leg here after Monday's action. More Squawk on the Street from the NYSE straight ahead. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now, It's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. 
Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. I would say, honestly, I would just can this whole bill. Don't pass it. That's my recommendation. What, what about, what about the, the support, though, for the charging network? I mean, there are, there are parts of this bill. And, and, no? No. I mean, you know, do, do we need support for gas stations? Uh, we don't. So uh, there's, no, there's no need for, this, uh, for, for support for a charging network. I would delete it. Delete. That was Elon Musk last night at the Journal CEO Council with Joanna Stern talking about the spending bill uh, and apparently clashing, I guess, uh, in terms of a policy perspective with the White House. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we periodically we have to remember that he runs a non-union shop. He's very proud of that. Pays people well. Uh, and if you're going to give a subsidy, you got to give it to everybody. I think this was a very rational, other than the haircut, everything he did was rational yesterday. The haircut was very North Korea. Kim it Jai- was. Kim now Jai- I understand Rung. what you meant. Yes. What? He looks, he looks like the leader of North Korea a bit. There. Well, I think but so. forgetting that, what, uh, forgetting I don't you think it's somewhat hypocritical? Didn't Tesla benefit enormously from the subsidies of all these years? Of course, but now sales? he's just saying, look, now it's no longer going to be a level playing field. I mean, now you've got a situation where Ford will be the winner. Uh, I have Jim Farley on tonight. You do? Oh, good. Yeah, I do. But, well, they had David Solomon on this morning. Yes. You didn't want to compete. And I think that when you look at what Musk is saying is, how can you give 12500 to the companies that are union? I mean, union. I mean, David, there is an inequity there. Uh, it's a policy of this administration to, to as Union. you pointed out, to, to be supportive. And I understand why Mr. Musk would feel that they're being unfairly excluded from this, although, again, they have been the beneficiary of subsidies, yeah, the main one, for many, many years. It's been key to, to but, this sort of part of their business for a while. Well, I, I mentioned um, earlier the Microsoft versus and, Salesforce. No, you. I know. Ford versus Tesla is an all-out war, you have it told is. us. And it, it will is. be, and you... You obviously think Farley's going to bring it and bring oh, it Oh, I hard. know he's going to bring it. Um, I know. He's, Farley is not Belichick. Don't he, know the history not, of he, gas stations and the federal highway bill and whether there was any subsidies at all for gas stations when under the uh, Eisenhower law. administration. That was things a great were, law. Well, the we interstate kept, highway system we've was kept being the built. the price of gasoline low. I yeah. Mean, it's, we've not, not surrendered that. We still, there are highway taxes. Uh, but I think that Musk was very calm, collected. I, sometimes I miss, I miss the old Musk. But what he's really saying is, look, we, uh, let's have a level playing field or let's have nothing. Yeah. Well, we are going to hopefully oh. get to hear him on the next earnings call. He also talked about uh, the federal deficit and deficit spending. Take a listen to that one. Honestly, it might be better if the, if the bill doesn't pass. Because um, we've spent so much money, uh, you know, it's like the, 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 the federal budget deficit is insane. Um, you know, it's like three trillion dollar federal uh, expenditures are seven trillion. Uh, federal revenue is four trillion. That's a three trillion dollar uh, d- difference in. Uh, if this was a company, it'd be a three trillion dollar loss. So uh, I don't know if we should be adding to that loss. That seems pretty crazy. Um, something's got to give. You can't just spend uh, three trillion dollars more than you own uh, every year and expect. Uh, you know, don't expect something bad to happen. He's right about the deficit, although the deficit as a percent of nominal GDP is almost at a two-year low. Right. Uh, but again, I mean, when you listen to Musk, what he's saying is, I felt, this is an important point, Musk is going international. Musk is thinking about... He's going Europe. interplanetary, man. 
Well, international. Half that interview was about how he spends half his time on SpaceX. Yeah, but they don't tax that much out there. I mean, no, and now he's got to get the cost oh, of the rocket wait. down by well, 100 fold well, so that we can I, actually start to colonize the, other planets. Okay, you can talk about his sidelight. I'd like to prefer his sidelight. It no, seems I'm just to be saying that, it, it, that China, I felt, won in his discussion. He was more pro Chinese. That I think is important, especially because that does imply human rights issues, but he's pro-Chinese, and he's talking about one point, doing 1.4 million cars, but he needs China, and he has been very respectful of China. Yep. Uh, just one of the topics that uh, David Solomon of Goldman talked to Squawk Box about, including inflation and the markets and crypto and SPACs. We'll get to that, along with Kramer's Mad Dash and the opening bell in about nine minutes. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. All right, time for a mad dash as we count you down to an opening bell for this Tuesday, about seven minutes before we get started with trading. What's the name? Well, first, I just want to clarify what I said about uh, Adam Jonas when I said lithium. Of course, I was speaking about the car battery, of not about the medicine. medicine. Yeah. All right, Starbucks is very important because MKM this morning comes out, says, listen, time to buy $130. Uh, the bean stock, they talk about the bean stock, but they really talk about the idea that the workers are going to be happy. They spend a lot of money on workers. Well, is while I was walking up here, Kevin Johnson's statements about why there's no need to join the union. And there are unionization efforts. In I think Buffalo, it, New York? Yes. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe even after last night, more than ever, he took it to them in their house. But, David, what I like about this call is the China aspect. I think that China's doing quite well for Starbucks. Now, they put a billion dollars into uh, CapEx. They have to. I mean, come on, you have to do technology. And I'm going to... I emphasize to Kevin Johnson when I see him next time that he must adopt the metaverse. He must adopt the metaverse. You need so we're to back have... to that again. The whole Jensen Wong thing well, where, I the, just didn't where like... you're making your order and it's something. The well, avatar takes the order right, in 28 avatar, languages, David. Starbucks is order. perfect to have the avatar. The av- a human should not take your order. Like when I say triple venti cappuccino with skin wet, believe me, the avatar knows exactly what I want. But with the barista, barista versus avatar. But anyway, the unions, um, Kevin's really questioning the need to be in union. Yeah. Given the fact that he does have the highest wages of any, and he gives you college benefits. I mean, for the longest time, Howard Schultz always did the great thing for workers, and so has Kevin Johnson. But I guess um, it's not an... What is with those? My shoes? 
Before you that? focus on my shoes, uh, because can we, they're can insane. We, uh, can we give a quick shout out and congratulations? Can we do that to my uh, producer, Carrie Caulfield? You mean on the pending? Yes. She got married. Oh, my. Okay, handsome so you husband, see, this Pat. is, you know, you got to do this. And yeah. And this is halo, And this is a little bit of a pitchfork on very his left happy side. for them. Take that away. She's standing right here, very embarrassed. Oh. But uh, Look, we wish them a lifetime of happiness. Oh, David, that and, was, uh, yeah. wow. Isn't that looks nice? Like, looks like balls roll. Does that? <laughs> All right. We got an opening bell coming up right after this. We are going to continue to find a path past the, past the pandemic broadly. Right. Um, this will be endemic in society. And we're going to have to live with it, but we're going to find a way to live with it effectively, and economic activity will flourish. I don't believe we're in a new paradigm where the world will be fundamentally different, but it's going to take some time to move forward. In the context of that, I think that monetary and fiscal policy on a go-forward basis will have a bigger impact on the trajectory of markets than the pandemic will from this point forward. That's Goldman's uh, David Solomon this morning on Squawk Box talking about living with the pandemic. Also suggested that market returns might be lower in the next few years, Jim, and suggesting that uh, maybe we're losing some of our institutional memory on inflation. Well, I, look, I thought Dave was very, very thoughtful the whole interview. Um, the most cogent thing he said was that still that he regards the stock as very undervalued. And I say that only because look at that move. I mean, it's been a big win. Uh, and I think that a lot of this is wealth management. And when you listen to him, I think you want to say, you know what? I'm going to give my money to gold because I, it, it's too hard to navigate. Self-serving? I don't know. Having done that at Goldman, I would tell you that that's kind of the wrap. So I found it consistent with what Goldman's been saying for a long time. Not inconsistent, but consistent. Talked a bit about um, work from home. I didn't realize he said 50% of the employee base is in their 20s. And they don't want to be in their apartment. That's his argument. They, they don't, don't want, want to be in their apartment, too. but I will tell you that it's, I, I, they've been better than most at Goldman, but they're still having a difficult time getting people in five days a week. Certainly that's not happening. And in part, it's the managers above them who have the commutes, perhaps, that don't really want to engage in that. Certainly not five days a week. It's a continuing battle. But isn't this interesting? We've got, on the one hand, we've got these great institutions like a Starbucks and a Goldman. On the other hand, we have fractious workers who are basically saying, you know, we went back. We went back when we work. We want more money. Yes. We don't care about the institution as much as we care about ourselves. David, new level of selfishness or just finally the worker getting their, their due? I think it's, I think it's that uh, to a certain extent. I mean, again, you know, we haven't talked about this in a little while. I'm sure you hear this. I know we all hear the same thing, which is my best performers are the ones that want the most flexibility and I have to give it to them. Otherwise, I will lose them. Yes. And yes, younger people don't want to be sitting in their apartment. There's no doubt that that is true. But at the same time, so many of these leaders of organizations we speak to, Jim, continue to say it, it is a new world, period. Well, people are not going to be coming to the office five days a week. If I can get them in two or three days a week, I'll be happy. And I do wonder about cultural connection and the connection to the organization and attrition rates going up and a lack of innovation. These are all concerns, but they've, get, they've said this is the way it's going. Lack of innovation, a lack of, uh, of, in, of culture, creating the culture. But uh, on the other hand, if you're David or any of the employers and a younger person says, look, I, want to, I don't want to work. Uh, I don't want to infect my kids. I don't want to infect my parents. I don't want my parents to die of COVID. It's game, set, match. What are you going to be like? Listen, I don't care. I mean, maybe the Goldman of the 80s would say, 
they wouldn't really signify yep. that. But now, I mean, they really just have to say, okay, if you're concerned, I'm going to take your concerns seriously. Yep. And that is actual, an actual concern. How many, of, uh, how many elderly die? And are you one of the reasons why they did? Yep. You don't want that. Well, not to say. mention uh, aggregate office demand, uh, which a lot of projections say could fall maybe 12 to 20 percent. Well, what they As ought to do, all this. we have this big number that we do at 5.15 each morning, which is actually pretty clever. 97.2% is the occupancy of rental apartments. David, there's a building next door to us, the old Bankers Trust building. It's going to be residences soon. I see an opportunity. Let's, 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 I see an opportunity to make residences out of these offices. Well, they're going to have to. The B-class buildings in particular, where, uh, to, to Carl's point, they're not going to be full again no. ever. Uh, the A-class, can you talk about like the Vanderbilt building that was at Grant Central was built? It's filled. Uh, Hudson Yards is doing fine, but uh, in many ways. Be malls. Be even be if the employees are not coming in, the employers are still paying for their space with the expectation that they need to have it. But these B office buildings, it's, they, it's unclear what's going to happen to them. But maybe they do need to become residences. Well, we have so much of it converted downtown. I don't think people realize that when you go downtown, what you see are one-star Michelin restaurants next door and apartments and what used to be the great city service building and the AIG building. And now it's like, right. well, that's I don't been know, one, two, three bedrooms for 20 years. Yeah, but like, I like it when it used to be the engine. Like, you would come down here in the 80s, boy, talk about troglodyte. <laughs> and it'd be like, it would just, you know, everywhere you're like, you got to get out of the way of people because it was like they were getting there faster than you and you're pushing people away. And now it's like, hey, you know, that that building was where Alexander Hamilton was. Uh, and Alexander Hamilton's buried over here. And- yeah, like the opening credits to Wall Street, remember? Yes, Bud is. Fox commute come into the office, pretty busy. Um, speaking of demand uh, in, a, in an era of COVID, Doug Parker, uh, now uh, leaving American, did talk about corporate demand actually potentially rebounding as soon as 2022. Take a listen. About as, as how we've done um, through this, not I'm happy through, how we've done through the entire period, but particularly how we've done um, since the pandemic, how the team's managed. Our stock's up more than any other airline in, uh, so far year to date by, by a wide margin. Um, and I'm certain as we, as we move forward, we'll continue to see more of that. Robert Eisen will replace him. He's already been president right. for five years. I like Doug Parker very much, but can we just say that their stock was the most hammered and it held the 9-10 line for a while. So I, I don't want to have people think that that was the one. Uh, also, it's a fractious union situation there, too. But Doug Parker has been true north. I've always felt that he uh, weathered pretty much everything and weathered it with a plum. I mean, one of these people who's smart, I mean, I, I, not that this should, you know, what do you try to measure a CEO? But he always gave you a level of confidence that America's going to be around. Now, David, you know there were other times when America was always, you know, I never felt this questionable. Well, really. listen, there were, there were decades where airlines didn't earn their cost of capital. Right. Then that changed. Uh, that lasted. But there have been no shortage of, uh, of challenges for the, for the industry, certainly over the last two years, as we know. And a big question mark still about what the real return of the business traveler will be. Right. And whether we ever get back to anything. Back to our earlier conversation, you know, people not coming to the offices often, people also not getting on planes as often. For example, a road show now. Uh, what I hear from all the underwriters is we'd much rather do it over Zoom. It's much better. It's, it works yes, better. It does. It's more effective. You know, I don't want to plane all the time. I mean, a lot of the travel budgets that people are making for 2022 are dramatically lower. I mean, in terms of trying to find a place where you can cut expenses, it's just people taking that one trip over to Taiwan, hopefully to have a dinner with someone and maybe they catch some orders. That's over. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, it's not like people won't get on planes to conduct business, well, but they're done, not going to do it at the frequency it, it wouldn't seem uh, get that more they work once done. did. Also, by the way, the Zoom generation, these younger people, one of the reasons why they would like, like to get out of their apartment is that it is rather amazing. They work from 7 a.m. You can't, if everybody's on Zoom, then there is no hour where work's over. No, it's not good for their mental health. Not good at all. Wow. Dave, it's not. Yeah. I, I don't know. The empathy. So I, impressive, right? I just feel like, you know, I mean, we all have kids. Like, I feel like we got to parent these younger people a little bit. Get out of the house! <laughs> no, well, that was the thing. I mean, I remember coming back from college, and my, my bedroom was made into a living room. I was sitting there watching the Phillies. Oh, and my wife was like, the Phillies, how much you get? The Phillies don't pay you anything. Get out. Your I went to my aunt's house. Go to work. Right. Um, guys, they don't, they don't go. David, there's no such thing as an empty nest. Now it's just a crowded nest. Oh. That's going to change my plans a little bit, so I don't want to hear that. Be careful. My first couple of years, you'll love it. Um, I wanted to talk about a deal this morning because it is uh, reflective of so many of the deals we've seen this year, which is why we're having basically a record year in M&A without, without, any, without any headlines. What's steel? Mimecast, this Mimecast go private, $5.8 billion for Myra. I mean, it's, it's very typical of what we've seen. It's almost a $6 billion deal. You did? You talked about Mimecast? Oh, I get it. It was a light Was it a question on, question. Uh, on the – Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's $5.8 billion deal, $80 a share. There is the ghost shop, as is often the case, 30 days with a um, with a, uh, a, a private equity, but not a huge uh, premium you see right there, at least in terms of now, obviously, the stock is at near highs, but not a huge premium, at least on the uh, on uh, on the recent on the recent price. But that company uh, actually made money. That was why I liked it. Cloud security and made money. Yes. Yes, they they'll they bring public they, next year at 100. They're never giving up on tackling their biggest security challenges with their customers. And they're the company that built an intentional <laughs> and scalable design ideology that solves the number one cyber attack vector, email. That's what they say. Email, okay. They're, uh, I, I know Salesforce has an email. Yeah, we got again, the intel, it, it's, it's a year where there's yeah, a lot intel. of fear of the FTC, a lot of fear of the regulators. You're not seeing the headline deals where we would sit here talking about a huge M&A transaction. Right. But it isn't as though there hasn't been a lot of M&A, typically at this five, You're six, right. seven billion dollar level, and a lot of them go privates. I think that used to be a very big deal. Speaking of big deal, David, yeah. Intel. Yeah. Intel announcing plans to take its self-driving car unit, Mobileye, public mid-2022. Mobileye could be targeting an IPO valuation of upwards of $50 billion. Who knew that that was even buried within Intel, which is one of the reasons why I'm so glad that we have Pat Gelsinger, Intel CEO. And Pat, you are a delight. You always come up and you have something interesting and new. This is one I think that basically tells you that this company at $200 billion is clearly undervalued because you had Mobileye buried within. Well, thanks. Thanks, Jim. And we definitely see the opportunity to bring Mobileye forward in a big way. And uh, clearly, this is an opportunity for visibility with Mobileye, visibility to the market and the shareholders, visibility to the customers, and increasing the visibility to the talent that we want as part of this uh, great unit. And uh, today's an exciting day as we roll this out and uh, obviously bringing it forward next year, we think will be a great opportunity because this is such a unique asset, Jim. You know, it really pioneered the ADAS category. And now ADAS is evolving to L2, L2+, plus, L4. You know, and it really is a very powerful capability as every car we believe will become EV and AV looking forward. And this is the asset that will make AV happen at scale. 
Well, you've got some great clients here. BMW is a client. They've done a lot of work with it. They're also working with NVIDIA, too, but that's on the factory level. But Ford has been a huge believer in this. Can you talk to people how this is a real company with massive sales? This is not a company where there's just a kind of whiteboard going on. Mobileye has been the leader. It's been ever since 2017 a big success, and you've tripled the sales since you've taken it over. So just give us the parameters of why $50 billion is not crazy. Yeah, and you know, last year was about a billion in revenue. This year, we expect to grow that like 40%. It's also very profitable already. And we often talk about high growth assets where profits are myths for the future. This is already very profitable. You know, now we have 30 companies that are using their ADAS. This year alone, we added 41 new designs for the ADAS and L2 and L4 platforms for this. This is a real company that's leading in a powerful technology category. And when you look at their products, Jim, you know, they've just built the full stack of, you know, silicon systems, software, you know, the mapping software, the, you know, uh, whole risk management system. They have been unquestionably creating this uh, category. And the only company that we see who's anywhere close is uh, Tesla in terms of capabilities. This is a very real company, and it's been somewhat hidden inside of Intel. So bringing it forward, this is great for the market. Yes. Now, uh, one last thing I was going to turn over to David. I was worried about where you were going to come up with the money for your aggressive capital expansion plan, maybe 20 billion, 22 billion. Well, it turns out I should take that off the table, shouldn't I? The worry. (laughs) Well, you know, we already saw that Intel's balance sheet, our cash flows, you know, we're 20 billion plus of, you know, operating cash flow per year. I mean, we have, you know, a very strong position. We will also well capitalize uh, Mobileye. And yeah, the proceeds from this will be helpful as well. But in the bigger context, you know, we have a lot of capabilities to move forward with our capital build out. You know, we've clearly seen the fab build as something critical for us in this overall semiconductor supply shortage that we're in. And of course, we're working aggressively with the CHIPS Act in U.S. and Europe to hopefully even go bigger and faster than we've already been able to lay out ourselves. Pat, it, it's David. You know, I, I, I'm not quite hearing the why. Uh, Maybe a little bit, but Is it simply uh, because you feel like this is an undervalued asset that's part of your portfolio that then is going to be recognized more and get the stock price up? Why are you doing this? Yeah, you know, and clearly, you know, the visibility of this category, you know, it is a hot category and we have the hottest asset hidden inside of Intel. So we wanted to give it more visibility, visibility to the customers, visibility to the market and the investors and visibility to the talent that we want as part of this as well. You know, the timing is good, right? You know, this is now where we're seeing that inflection point in the AV category. Mobileye pioneered ADAS, and now it's going to leap forward to be a leader in the entire AV technology sector. So this is the right time to go do it. And third, we do think that this ability for Intel and Mobileye to partner in a sustainable long-term way. And you think about Intel and my commitments to open up Automotive Foundry, an automotive platform for open computing, and Mobileye being the vertical. So we'll have a horizontal and a vertical strategy for this burgeoning category of automotive semiconductors. Now's the time. This is the strategy. We're excited. All right. Uh, Does it mean at some point that you would part part ways? In other words, you'll still control the company. Is is that going to be indefinite in terms of Intel owning the majority of these shares? Or is there a point at which you might imagine that 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 Mobileye would actually be majority owned by public shareholders? 
Well, I've learned to never say never, Dave. But, you know, frankly, we see this as a value creation cycle in front of us where the category is going to be growing rapidly. You know, the benefits of an Intel supply chain, the Intel technology bane, uh, uh, platform will be very significant to accelerate and expand the opportunities for Mobileye and our entry into being a much bigger player for the automotive semiconductor with this open horizontal strategy, strategy that we're laying out. The combination of this, I see that we're on you know, a very powerful many year cycle of value creation, business acceleration. So I think we've picked a great formation of how to bring this asset forward, but still benefit from this much bigger platform that Intel provides. All right, so Pat, you and I have talked a lot about how Mobileye has had driverless in Israel, it's really been incredible. But in the United States, we've always been so reluctant, always worried about car accidents, always worried mm-hmm. about situations where I think that the machine is much better than the, than the human. Machine doesn't get tired, machine doesn't get drunk. <laughs> but how do you convince the uh, states, which have been actually not that great about allowing self-driving, to understand that a self-driver is a safer car than a human driver? Yeah, you know, it's a great, great point, Jim. And one of the things that Mobileye has really pioneered is RSS, this risk assessment system. And we can now statistically prove that on a regular basis that a Mobileye car is an order of magnitude safer than all the cars on the road around it. You know, it also builds an environment to say this is how drivers operate in New York in Munich, in Paris, in China, and be able to bring those learnings into a driver experience. And I think as regulators get more comfortable, and obviously in Munich at our at the IAA show, you know, we uh, announced our plans for the robo taxis in uh, Munich. You know, we've just launched our plans for the equivalent service for the you know a self-driving in uh, China with Geely uh, here in the U.S. making great progress with uh, Ford and others. You know, and all of these taken together, we think that one by one, city by city, country by country, they'll be realizing that this is the safest and the most efficient way to enable the commercial as well as consumer grade capabilities. It's really an exciting time and we just see it hitting that inflection point right now. Hey, Pat, you know, I'm thinking back to when you took the job, uh, everybody was talking about it. We got an engineer back uh, at the top (laughs) of Intel. Now we're back to talking about capital structure and people referencing your experience both at VMware uh, and EMC. I guess, do you feel comfortable riding both of these lanes? Well, I think any CEO has to ride both of these uh, lanes. You know, that said, when Amnon and I, you know, and Amnon, the CEO of uh, Mobileye, you know, began to discuss this idea. It was like, Amnon, I sat in your chair for the last year, the last eight years at VMware. I know exactly, you know, what this feels like to be in that other chair. And with that, it gives me sort of a unique opportunity to work with Amnon to both maximize this asset, you know, build that interdependency with Intel, and to bring my techie geek to the Intel platform as well. I think it really is, as I would say, you know, every experience that God has given me over my career is being utilized every day in my job at Intel. And here's another opportunity to use some of those unique experiences that I've had over the last eight years as the VMware CEO. Uh, uh, Pat, you mentioned Tesla earlier. I would love to get your take as an engineer. You know, the New York Times did a, a story the other day questioning the use for autonomy in Tesla vehicles of only cameras, that Musk, that sort of wanted to go only cameras, not LiDAR, not radar. Uh, how do you see it, Andor? How do you see it through your, obviously, uh, knowledge of what Mobileye is doing? 
Yeah, and what we just announced at the uh, Munich Car Show earlier this year is that we're now combining camera and LiDAR. And the idea would be is that we have a fully uh, uh, operating autonomous vehicle with LiDAR. We have a fully operating autonomous vehicle with vision and we combine the two to give even higher quality reliability and risk reduction as well. So we believe that there will be different levels of the market where vision only might be acceptable for certain use cases and certain markets, but we do believe that this higher standard of a complete integration of a LiDAR radar with vision will be the highest quality experience that's possible. So, you know, I appreciate you know, Elon is a great engineer or a great innovator as well. And this is one where we agree that we can do vision only autonomy, but vision and LiDAR will provide a higher level of reliability and risk reduction as well. All right, well, first of all, Brian Krasanich, a little shout out there because this was his idea. Pat, you know, I've been at times critical of some of your things. This was to me a, a terrific thing. I, you know, I've loved Mobileye and I think that you're right about the valuation. I want to thank you for coming on. Pat Gelsinger, CEO of Intel, this is a great move for you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We're going to continue that conversation later on Tech Check, talk more about the move. <gasps> Mobileye's founder and CEO. Oh, he's so great. 11 a.m. Eastern Time. First, though, time for the bond report as we look at how treasuries are faring and watching the curve flatten a little bit. Uh, Two-year back to 66, 67 uh, basis points in the 10-year right around 145. Dow's up 425. Don't go away. Okay, S&P 4670. We're right about at levels that we got on that Black Friday opening high, which was 4664. So a bit of a gap getting closed here. Dow's not quite there, but we're up 428. Don't forget, you can get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Kramer. Sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash investing club or use the QR code on the screen. We're back in just a moment. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Davis fucking Mongo to be up 70 points. Okay, now listen, tonight I've got Starbucks. We're going to address the labor situation head on. I've got Sentinel one day report. It's one, at one time the hottest uh, cybersecurity. And then I'm not going to tell you what I have with Farley and Benioff because it's going to break news. I'll bet you it is. Yeah, it's going to break news. And uh, I'm tired of giving everything away. Why don't we just see how it plays? <laughs> I see. Play it as it lays. Corporate Darwinism Dude, at did, work. Yes, corporate we, we use that. Uh, by the way, GlaxoSmithKline not getting any credit for its possible. What, the antibody that yeah. works uh, against yes, Omicron? I'm not getting any credit. Well, it's too early. But Jim, anyway, I'm very excited about the Ford. Because remember, Ford's Mobileye. Uh, but what would Ford be doing with Benioff? <laughs> Tonight at 6. Um, really quick, Jim. Uh, Baycrest points out, even though it's early, this would be the best uh, NYSE AD line since 2019. Are you serious? It's pretty green. Oh my God. Well, I've got to tell you, and this, is it Santa Claus already? I was thinking we're getting a little closer to Christmas. Hanukkah came early. Maybe the Santa Claus rally's coming early. <laughs> what do you think of that, dude? It's always early or late. It's never on time. <laughs> no, it's never. You can't set your yeah, watch to it. It's early this year. We'll see late, it tonight. Maybe. Yeah, but i got to go check the lithium situation <laughs> because that's battery statement again. That's not battery. Understood. Okay, Understood. I want to make sure that- Mad Money, 6 p.m. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. 
See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.